0: Hey everyone, uh, we are starting a new series this evening on money. Now, I'm going to confess uh, that this is not a topic that I like talking about, just because many people get really nervous when a pastor starts talking about money. Um, and to be fair, there are uh, more than a few pastors, evangelists, and just straight-up con artists uh, who've swindled people out of their money and out of their life savings. So, understandably, I'm a little—I uh, always get a little apprehensive whenever I start talking about this, but. But um, I think it's important for us to speak on all the things that God's Word talks about, and money is a big part of our life. And in fact, God's Word says quite a bit about how uh, we are stewards of our blessings, of our uh, not just our finances, but our, our possessions, our stuff, our time, our talents, all that, all that, all those things. Uh, and so, I think it's important for us to uh, begin. Uh, having some of these conversations. So in the spirit of full transparency, let me say that I am not trying to get anything from anyone. I'm also convinced that God is not trying to pry your money out of your hands or or get your stuff. I believe that God already owns everything and doesn't need anything your money, my money, or anyone's money. If he wants to provide for his church, if he wants to provide for his work all around the world, he can easily do so without you and without me. Uh, But do you really want him to? Do you really want God to uh, accomplish his work and not be a part of it? Now, I can't speak for everyone else, but I know for me... I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to be right smack dab in the middle of uh, how he's changing lives and transforming this world more and more uh, into his kingdom. And so uh, that includes how we um, we obey him with our stewardship of our finances and other things like that. Now, um, speaking of this idea that God doesn't want to take anything from you, um, I think it's important for us to understand that God actually wants to give you something. See, when we talk about money, we often think that God wants to take from us or keep something good from us. But in fact, God is—you look throughout Scripture—God is always giving. Uh, all the way from Genesis one, where He He speaks things into existence, He's giving life to creation, and then just all throughout His His Word, He's always giving. He's not wanting to take. If He ever takes something from us, it's because that something is hindering us from receiving His true blessing, or it's getting in the way of our relationship with Him. God doesn't need anything from us. He wants to give us a blessing. And so uh, he knows that our preoccupation with um, money and with stuff has a tendency to take over our hearts and to rob us of the joy, the peace, the contentment, the satisfaction that all of us want and we think that money will give us, but actually it's found in God. Now, uh, it can cause us this money, this these finances, this stuff can cause us to miss out on what's really important in life because we're just so wrapped up in the temporary treasures of this world. And so that's going to be a, a large part of what we're going to be talking about uh, in this series. So uh, I hope that in our discussions over the next several weeks that we'll regain a proper perspective on our material blessings that God has poured into our life uh, and use those to invest in the eternal treasures that God really wants us to. To enjoy, so um, I really want us to start off with our first part here tonight. I really want us to understand uh, that, as far as God is concerned, as far as Scripture teaches, um, our faith and our finances are—they're um, uh, um, intimately connected. They're—they're they're not. Uh, We're not able to separate them. Our faith and our finances kind of go hand in hand. And I know that really sounds uh, strange to some of us that our faith can impact our finances. But it really is true. When you really think about it, your faith uh, impacts how you spend your money and how you think about your money. And on on the flip side of it, how you spend your money is going to impact your faith. Uh, You may not agree with that or you may not like that, but uh, again, according to God, that's just an undeniable and unavoidable truth. If I'm uh, going around and I'm uh, accruing tons of debt and I'm just spending, 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 and I'm finding my comfort and my joy in that, that's going to impact my view of God. It's going to impact how God can use and work in my life because if I'm just uh, stressed out over my finances and my, my stuff, that's really going to affect how I live my Christian life. And, and, again, on the other side, how I think of God and how I, I live out my faith should impact the way I, I think through my finances and stuff like that. Again, as I've already said, the Scripture speaks a lot about finances. In fact, some Bible scholars have said that 15% of Jesus's teachings as recorded in the gospel are on money. And that is um, more than his teaching on heaven and hell combined. Now That that's really kind of a, a shocking statement, but it really shouldn't shock us all that much if we begin thinking about why in the world would God, uh, would Jesus spend so much time talking about money. Now I think the, the reason is actually kind of obvious when you think about it. It's because Jesus knows uh, that his biggest rival for our heart is all of our stuff, our money. Uh, there are uh, many people who will reject Christ and will spend eternity in hell because they are so comfortable with uh, their life, with their stuff, with their money, that they do not recognize their need for a savior. And so Jesus knows um, that his chief rival for the human heart oftentimes is our stuff. In fact, there are numerous examples in scripture about how our faith and our finances are linked together. Uh, For instance, in Luke 3, John the Baptist is answering a crowd that's gathered around him about what true repentance looks like. And he gives them three very practical examples of what repentance looks like, at least in his opinion. Uh, He says, first, uh, giving your clothes and your food to those who don't have any. Uh, Second, tax collectors not collecting any more taxes than what they're required uh, to collect. And then three, soldiers being content with their wages and not forcing money. Out of people, all three of those examples that Jesus—I'm sorry—that John gives us in Luke three about what repentance looks like, all of them have to do with money. And that doesn't mean that those are the only examples. That's you know, repentance only looks like uh, uh, stuff uh, revolving around your finances and money. But again, one of the big litmus tests uh, to where your heart is and how you're trusting uh, God and following Him has to do with your money, how you think about it, how you use it. Another example from Scripture uh, that many of you might be familiar with is Zacchaeus. You remember Zacchaeus was the wee little man who climbed up in a sycamore tree to get a a glimpse of Jesus, and Jesus and Zacchaeus begin having a conversation, and then Zacchaeus' heart is so transformed by that interaction with Jesus that he vows that he's going to give half of his possessions to the poor and then he's going to repay anyone that he's defrauded uh, fourfold, whatever he's taken from him. And Jesus, upon hearing that, doesn't say, Whoa, wow, Zacchaeus, that's awesome, that's incredibly generous. No, Jesus actually says, Today salvation has come to this house. Jesus saw the heart change of Zacchaeus because of what he had decided to do with his money and with his stuff. And then you also probably remember about when Jesus was in the temple uh, with his disciples and they see all the religious leaders of the day just pouring uh, lots of money into uh, the coffers there uh, in the temple. And then they see this poor little widow who comes and drops her few little cents in there. And Jesus points at her and says, now that is what great faith looks like. That is uh, what uh, you should aspire towards. And again, it was because he, he saw where her heart is based on how she thought about her money and how she used her money. We also see this in the early church, where uh, the early church in the book of Acts, they went and they sold all their possessions, they, they took all their money, they poured it all together, and then gave it to the poor, and they gave it to one another as they had need. This was all what caught the uh, the attention of the ancient world of that day, that the people in the church believed so much that God was in control and that God would meet their needs that they were okay selling all that they had and giving it to others because of their faith in God. And again, a negative example of how faith and finances are so uh, intimately connected is in Matthew 19 where this rich young man comes to Jesus and asks him, what do I need to do uh, to enter into heaven, and Jesus says, "Okay, you want to go to heaven? I sell everything you own and come follow me." And so, instead of doing that, instead of giving up all of his earthly possessions so that he could gain eternal life, he ends up walking away sad and discouraged. And the thing I I can never get over is Jesus doesn't go chase after him and say, "Well, hold on a second, let's 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 talk about this, let's work up to this." No, he 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 allows this rich young man to to. Walk away from him and walk away from eternal life because Jesus knew that his heart was not yet ready for Jesus. There was no room in his heart for Jesus because his heart was full of love for his own earthly possession. So we need to understand your stuff, your your money, your, your car, your house, your, all the things that you've accumulated in this life... They are connected to your faith. You know, so often people talk about, um, you know, I don't want to talk about my faith, and I don't want to talk about my politics, and I don't want to talk about those things. You know, those are very private things. And that couldn't be further from the truth that we find in Scripture. Nothing is off limits to God. Nothing is off limits to your faith. It's all connected together. Uh, We could go on and on with other biblical examples, but I think you get the point of of why our our faith and our finances are, are connected together. And that's not a bad thing. According to God, it's just a thing. It's just the way things are. My my faith and my heart uh, are linked to my stuff. This is why Jesus talks about where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. and We're going to get into that a little bit more in part three of this series, but wherever you spend your stuff, wherever you keep your stuff, your heart's going to follow that. So if I'm investing in my car, I'm going to care a lot about my car. If I'm investing a lot in a hobby, whether it be golf, whether it be whatever, um, I'm going to care a lot about those things. I'm going to be very uh, concerned about those, protective of those. Likewise, if I'm investing in missions, if I'm investing in the church, if I'm investing in God's work, then that's where my heart's going to be. That's what I'm going to be paying attention to and be concerned about. And so this isn't a good or bad thing. It's just a thing. Uh, So just keep that in mind. Now, we need to understand uh, your perspective determines the direction of your life. That's what we're really going to be focusing on here today. How we look at our money, how we look at our finances is really going to direct what we're paying attention to uh, and how we think about these things. And so we're going to dive deep tonight on how do we need to think about our finances? How do we need to... uh, what? What um, is the proper biblical perspective about my money, about my possessions, the things that God has poured into my heart? Now, I want to direct your attention to a very uh, popular book um, parable of jesus it's very short in fact in most translations it's just one uh verse and it's where jesus tells a parable about a man who is traveling uh, along the road and he comes across a field and as he's going through the field he finds a hidden treasure in that field and we're not told what this treasure is and we're not told how he found it but we know that he gets so excited about what he's discovered that he sells everything he has in order to buy the field so that he can legally own the treasure that he's found there. Now, this may seem foolish to some people. Why in the world would he would he sell everything he has just to buy this one thing? But the passage doesn't imply that he's foolish. In fact, the passage implies that he's actually very wise. That this is what he should do that. He sacrificed everything that he owned in order to obtain everything that truly mattered. This this great treasure uh, that he found in the field. And then uh, to really understand that passage, we need to look back into Matthew six on the ser- Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus tells uh, this teaching about uh, earthly treasure versus heavenly treasure. That there's there's stuff that you think are in, that's important here. I e the guy who sold everything he owned. That's the earthly treasure to obtain something far more valuable in heaven. And that's that treasure that he found in the field. So I want to, again, draw your attention to Matthew 6, and this is what Jesus tells us. Do not store up treasures for yourself on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where uh, thieves do not break in and still, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, there are a lot of really important things for us to understand, but I want you to really grasp the the, the full weight, or at least the main point that we are going to be focusing on here tonight. And it, it really goes to what is Jesus really referring to here? What is, why should we not Uh, treasure up things here on this earth? Is it because things are bad? Is it because money's bad, cars are bad, houses are bad, clothes are bad? Is it because the things here on this earth are bad and evil? Now, I hope that the obvious answer to that is no. No, things are not evil. You know, possessions that God has given us here in this life are not evil. You know, I I said uh, um, in the little promo uh, leading up to this that uh, the teaching that um, money is the root of uh, all evils is not actually found in Scripture. And that's true. It's not... Uh, that money is the root of all evils, but it's the love of money uh, that is uh, the root of all kinds of evil. Now, according to this passage that we see in Matthew 6, he doesn't say that your possessions, your earthly treasures, are bad. What he actually says is the reason why you don't store those things up here on this earth is because they won't last. They're temporary. When we focus on this world's treasures, we are short. Sided. It's like the proverb uh, twenty-three uh, verse four uh, and five says this: Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it's gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle and flies towards the heavens. Now. um and now that I I have you know two teenage boys who never stop eating, I can give a resounding amen to that. That you know no matter how much food I put in the cabinets, it's gone before uh, the the next day. You know you can't keep those cabinets filled. You can't keep uh, things uh, in this life because they are fleeting. They go and they they they, um, they break. They get lost. Uh, they they just uh, you cannot keep them. I guarantee you it will not last. Now I also want to pause here for just a moment. I want you to notice that Jesus does not say that you don't need to um, uh, treasure things for yourself. He in fact says you should treasure things for yourself, just not here on this earth. You need to uh, treasure things for yourself in heaven. I, I just again, this is probably a rabbit hole that we'll probably need to spend some more time on later. And if you have some questions about this, we'll we'll try to answer it in the in the comments uh, on our Facebook page. But um, he doesn't say that you should not treasure anything for yourself. He's just saying. Where you treasure things are important. We need to look for eternal treasure. Jesus is pointing to the fact that he wants to give you something. Uh, we don't need to add like, I don't want anything. I, I do want treasure in heaven. I do want all the blessings and all the rewards that God can give me, but... Uh, But I don't want them here in this life. I want them in the next life. I want them in eternity. I want them in heaven because that is where uh, those blessings will last forever and ever and ever. Let me give you a quick example or illustration uh, of uh, what it's like to treasure things here on this earth rather than treasure things in heaven. Now, I want you to imagine a scenario. I want you to imagine that you're alive during the Civil War. Now, you've been living in the South, and during that time, you've been able to amass a great deal of Confederate money. Now, during, uh, during the war, you've been able to collect this money and save this money. You, you, you are rich in this Confederate money, but you've all of a sudden received news that the North is about to win, and they're going to win pretty soon. Now, you know that this means that very soon, all that Confederate money that you've collected over over uh, the course of the war is soon to be completely worthless, because the only currency that's going to be around after the war is the U.S. dollar. Now, the question is, what do you do with all of that Confederate money that you have? Now, you could uh, act as though everything is fine. You could keep amassing your Confederate currency, and then soon it'll all be worthless, although I think that's pretty foolish. Or... You could keep only what you need for the immediate um, moment and begin converting the rest of that to um, uh, 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 convert the rest of that soon to be worthless money into something that will be of value once the war is over. Now that to me sounds like a much better option now. The point that I'm trying to illustrate with that is, as Christians, we all have insider information about what's going to happen in the days ahead. We know that pretty soon, this world's currency is going to be completely worthless. Either because Christ comes back and establishes his kingdom, or we die, whichever one comes first. Either way, this money that we've amassed, that we've spent our lives working towards all the all the cool gadgets and comforts of this world, are soon to be worthless. Now, there are investment experts that spend countless hours and resources in order to predict if the market's going to go up or if it's going to go down uh, so that they can move their money around so that they don't incur any losses so that they can come out on top. But Jesus has already told us what the future holds and has urged us to transfer, transfer our funds from this earth which is going to take a dive, you know, whenever either Christ comes or whenever we die, we're not going to be able to keep it with us and invest it in heaven, which is insured by God himself and is going to uh, uh, one day replace this world economy. Now, using that civil war example that I, I said earlier, there's nothing wrong with the Confederate money as long as we know its limits. Remembering that its uh, its value is temporary should radically, radically affect how we use it and how we invest accumulating vast amounts of earthly treasure that you can't possibly hold on to uh, for for very long is the equivalent of stockpiling confederate currency even though you know it's about to become worthless. According to Jesus, storing up your treasures is not simply wrong. It's plain dumb. It's stupid to do so because we know that we are not going to be able to uh, keep it. It It's temporary. It's fleeting all right so now let me be very clear i'm not saying that you should not save for retirement or for emergencies that would be foolish and and, and irresponsible of us um I'm not going to sit here and give you uh, the totals or amounts that you should be spending, saving, investing, uh, giving to the church or charities or ministries and stuff like that. But what I am trying to tell you is that the way many of us think about our finances, about the resources God has poured into our hearts, needs to be reevaluated with an eternal perspective. We need to keep that eternal heavenly perspective with all the, the blessings and resources that God has poured into our life, all right. So let me also clarify one other misconception, real quick, about a biblical perspective on money and possessions. The Bible is not warning uh, is not warning you against storing up your treasures for yourself. Uh, it's it's not saying that you can't enjoy the things that God has given you. Uh, It's not saying that you don't uh, have a nice car, that you don't have a nice house. It's not saying any of that sort of stuff. In fact, uh, what it's doing is quite the opposite. Jesus is saying that you should store up treasures for yourself the difference is where you store your treasures enjoy the things that God has given you but don't live for those things don't find your comfort don't find your security in those things and and realize that God has poured into you not so that you can hold on to it all but so that you can also be a blessing to others okay you are a steward of of what God has given you. You are not the owner of those things. I'm not the owner of the money in my bank account. I'm not the owner of my car and my house and, and and the things that God has given me. I'm a steward of them and I use them as he sees fit. And one day, you and I will have to stand before God and give an account for how we used his stuff. It's just like if you borrowed my car and then uh, you go drive it around, you, if you mess it up, if you bring it back uh, um, dirty or, or you know empty uh, of gas and stuff like that, then you're going to have to explain to me why you did what you did with my car, why you did not take care of it, why you did not use it the way you told me you were going to use it. In the same way, we're going to have to give an account to God for the things that we have. Now, As I said before, God doesn't want to take anything from you. He wants to maximize your blessings. So many TV preachers and evangelists have convinced people that churches are only trying to milk people of their money, and that's a lie. Con artists and charlatans are um, trying to do that, but the Bible and biblical preachers and teachers are simply trying to help people enjoy the blessings to the fullest. That's my desire. That's all I want for you. I'm not trying to get anything from you, and God's not trying to get anything from you. We just want you to uh, follow God in all areas of your life so you can enjoy a close abiding relationship with God and all the blessings He has in store for you. Now, some may be asking, well, what is this heavenly treasure that we're we're supposed to be investing in? Now, the truth is this can be answered in a lot of different ways. Now, of course, our greatest uh, treasure in heaven is our relationship with God through Christ Jesus. Um, If we just stopped there and we didn't uh, mention anything else, that would be enough. God uh, is our greatest heavenly treasure. If God didn't give us any other blessing other than a relationship with him, that would be more than enough. But I also believe that uh, part of our heavenly treasure will be the relationships of other people that are there because of our investments. When we invest our time, our finances, our possessions, our talents, and skills into the kingdom of God, lives are impacted. Uh, and I think a part of our heavenly reward will be to see those people and how we got to play a part in them giving their life over to Christ and growing in their relationship with Christ. So every time you you give uh, to the church, every time you give to an individual uh, as you minister to them, every time you uh, invest in someone in, in any particular way, I think a part of your heavenly reward will be to see one day in heaven uh, what, how God used that reward to impact lives. Now, Uh, As if that wasn't enough, I also believe that Scripture teaches that a part of our treasure in heaven will literally be greater wealth and responsibility in the new heaven and new earth. Uh, That might sound a little strange to some, but Scripture teaches that there will be cities, there will be work, there will be responsibility, there will be all sorts of things in eternity. Now, if you would like to learn more about that, I would recommend you go back and listen to our series on heaven from a few months ago. But just imagine, for just a moment, uh, you can take some money on in this earth, and you can invest it uh, in savings or stocks or whatever. In just eighty, in uh, just uh, um, eighty years here on this earth, you know, and just uh, you know, as that money accrues, you can amass a whole wealth of of, of resources. But imagine if you took Uh, your resources and invested that in eternity, what that could do. Imagine that what you do and your lifespan here on this earth can set you up for greater blessings, greater experiences, and greater um, uh, resources in heaven. Uh, and you can spend the rest of all of eternity enjoying those things. How wonderful could that be? How amazing uh, would that be to know that what I do in this life will impact what I experience in the next life? Now, I know a lot of times when I say things like that, a lot of people object and say, whoa, hold on, wait a second, Pastor. Are you telling me that some people will have greater blessings in heaven than, than other people? And here's how I, I, I want you to kind of understand that. Everyone who's in heaven will be incredibly blessed. Your cup will be uh, um, filled to the brim and overflowing. But here's the thing. We are told constantly in Scripture, uh, that to whom much is given, much will be required. Those who are faithful with a little bit will, will be blessed with a lot. And so, yes, your cup will be, um, will be blessed and, and running full. But your cup may be just a thimble based on your faithfulness to God, based on your obedience to God, based on uh, how you followed Him in this life. Whereas someone else who uh, lived their life completely sold out to God, following Him in all things, they may have a 10-gallon drum that is filled to the full. Both are filled to capacity. Both are experiencing the blessings of God. Uh, but one may be filled to greater compa- uh, capacity because of their faithfulness, of their obedience, of of them following Christ. And so will you be disappointed when you get to heaven? Absolutely not. Uh, But based on what you do in this life, you may experience even greater blessings than than someone else who maybe uh, just prayed a prayer, but they're not really faithful, following, obedient to God. And so just keep that in mind that God wants you to experience all of his blessing, but that's contingent upon how you follow him, how you obey him, how faithful you are to him. Now, Again, I want to impress upon you that stuff and money is not bad. Uh, What makes things bad is how we view them and how we use them. You cannot keep the stuff that God has poured into your life, but you can invest that in uh, in eternity. As the old saying goes, you're never going to see a hearse pulling a U-hole. And why is that? Because you can't take any of that stuff with you. Uh, there was a story about uh, uh, John Rockefeller, who was one of the wealthiest men who ever lived. But after he died, someone went to his accountant and asked him, how much money did he leave behind? And the reply that he received was, he left it all. And the reason why that is the case is because whether uh, we lose it here in this life, whether it's stolen, whether uh, we spend it all, the fact that matter remains one day we're all going to die and we're not going to take this stuff with us but we can send it ahead into eternity as we invest it in god's kingdom and reap the blessings and reap the rewards for uh for millions upon millions upon millions of years in eternity and so i think that's the better investment and that's why we need to uh live our life each and every day viewing our stuff through the lens of of eternity now that kind of sets us up for the rest of our series each uh, each night of this series we're going to be uh, looking at various principles um, as it relates to how we need to view our resources and how we can move forward using them to the uh, best of our ability for the kingdom of God and really experience all that God wants uh, to do in and through us through the blessings that he has given us. So I hope tonight has been a, um, a good reminder about uh, what our possessions actually are and how we should use them for God's glory. And I hope that you'll continue to join us in the weeks ahead as we continue this series. So again, thank you so much for uh, uh, joining with us tonight and I hope to see you next week. Take care and God bless.